0: We thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and to look at your word. We ask you to guide and lead us and show us what you would want us to see from this study, that your spirit will be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 22. Catch us up to what's happened. Paul has gone to Jerusalem, even though he was warned not to go. He went to the temple because the disciples said, you know, you want to look like you're a good Jew, so go to the temple. Um... he went to the temple he's falsely accused of being gen- bringing gentiles into the holy place and they arrest him and start dragging him out to Basically, they're planning to stone him um, He gets rescued by the guard the Roman guard He starts making a speech on his defense and they liked his speech as long as he until he hid and we left last week where he said that God has sent him to the Gentiles and They didn't like that <laughs> And all the riot starts, they, up to that point, they were listening to him. He gave his testimony, how he was, how he was zealous for God, how he was, how he was watching over the, the, you know, the, the uh, martyrdom of uh, Stephen, how he went to Damascus, how God called him, how he was baptized and all these things. And then he goes, and God said in verse 21, Depart, for I will send you far hence unto the Gentiles. And that's where we left off last week. So starting at verse 22. And they gave him audience unto his word and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out, they cast off their clothes and threw dust in the air. And the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade him that he should be examined by scourging and that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said unto the century, a centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? And we're going to stop there for just a moment. All right. Paul is making his defense. Remember, he was doing this in Hebrew. He was talking to the people. So this this soldier does not even know why the people of all, all of a sudden got upset. All right, because... Remember, we looked and Paul spoke to him in Greek saying, can I, you know, can I give my defense? And he goes, and they spoke in Greek for a while. And then when he stood at the beginning of this chapter, he said he spoke to the people in Hebrew. Could be translated Aramaic, but he he is specifically talking to the Hebrew people. So I believe it was probably uh, Hebrew that he spoke in. And so this whole time that Paul's been speaking, the centurion does not know what's being said. The centurion speaks uh, Koine Greek and Latin, most likely, and the conversation's going on in Hebrew. So he's sitting there, and the people are listening, he's okay, he's okay. he has no clue what's being said. And all of a sudden the people go nuts. <laughs> and you know, and it's kind of interesting, it says they called away with him from the earth. All right, in other words, kill him. <laughs> and This is very interesting. For he is not fit that he should live. (laughs) This is how much this statement irritated them that that he said God said he was to go to the Gentiles. The Hebrew people looked at Gentiles as worthless. And many of the rabbis in that day said that Gentiles were created to feed the fires of hell. That was how they looked at us. We were nothing but but kindling and firewood for hell. And Paul says that he was, the God said he was sent to the Gentiles. Now you want to talk about prejudiced? This was quite a prejudiced. If you're not a Jew, you're totally 100% worthless. And this is where, then they're angry. This man who said he was so, adamant for the Jewish religion, is saying that he was sent to the Jews. And, uh, huh? To the Gentiles. <laughs> Gentiles, excuse me. Sent to the Gentiles. Is that, is that made? Yeah. Yes, pretty much. But only on. On. They still look, on, they, on. they it Jews or are it really well, it's hard because Jews are not one solid grouping but yes, they do believe, as almost all Jews believe, they're going to heaven because they're Jews, and anybody who's not a Jew is going to hell. Whether they, you know, now, the smaller groups don't even believe in any of it, so it doesn't really matter, but the, the higher up they go, the more they believe it. And Christians have not been nice to Jews over the years or done in, in Christian names. All right? The Jews have lots of problems with Christians. Hitler claimed to be a Christian. So they they say, well, that's what Christians do, they kill Jews. All through the Middle Ages, Christians killed Jews or technically the Catholic Church killed Jews. Uh, There were these Crusades to the Promised Land to take back Jerusalem from from the the Muslims and or the Jews, whoever had it at the time, they killed anybody that wasn't a Christian. So there's this attitude that they still have that they don't trust Christians. Now at this point, there's a lot of Christian work in Jerusalem, in Israel, that's ministering to the Jews. So people are starting to see some change. But now as anti-Semitism is starting to kick back up, we're seeing a lot of them say, okay, something's wrong here. Because much of what's done is done in the name of Christianity. And that's the sad thing. So much is done in Jesus' name that causes problems, you know, people, you know, not just with Jews, but there are, there are people that are so much against abortion that they go in, you know, God told me to blow up this abortion clinic or to, to kill the abortion doctor. No, that is never what God is going to do in the process. And the, and the problem is that those things happen. That is what makes news. And so all these groups go, well, you Christians are just, you know, you're crazy. You know, you're crazy. You talk about this God of love, the God of forgiveness, the God, you know, a, you know, the Jews will say, well, you say that Jesus, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, and then you come and kill us. And the sad thing is, in our day and age, there's this whole move that, called replacement theology, that's kicking back into gear. The Jews taught, replace, the, the Jews, the Catholic Church taught replacement theology. They said that the Church of Christ has replaced the Jews and that all the promises of Jews belong to Christians. Now we do get a lot of benefit on it because we are grafted into Judaism, but God is not done with the Jews. All right, He's got so much yet to do. The whole millennial kingdom is all about the Jewish people. and And the tribulation period is all about the Jewish people. And God has promises to them that are unconditional. He gave His a command to Abraham and was unconditional. I will bless those that bless you, I will curse those that curse you. All the way through his descendants and there was no condition at all put on that. So God is not done with the Jews. All through the scriptures in the Old Testament he talks about Israel being the kingdom, all through, being the center of the kingdom for the, middle, uh, for the millennial reign. He, and Jesus, as the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, will reign for that time. So we look at this and say, God, you've got a plan. Now they were put on hold for a while. They, they were put on hold for a while because God is dealing with the Gentile church. And as soon as He takes us in the rapture, He will go. Everything will focus back on Judaism and the Jewish people, and God will try to start working on purifying them. And when Jesus touches back down on on Mount Olivet, the, the Zechariah says that they will say, "Who is it that gave you these wounds that you bear?" Talking about we know now, talking about the nail prints in his in his wrists and his feet, and the and the stabbing on the side, and the and the crown of thorns. And he said, "They got these in the house of a friend, namely them." All right, then God will reveal all of this to them in a supernatural way somehow. Huh? Well, we won't experience the tribulation, but we will be coming with him to Mount Olivet. We will be his bride that comes back down from the seven-year tribulation period. We will spend in heaven in the marriage supper of the Lamb as Christians. And then we will come down to this world when he reconquers and rule with him for the millennial reign. And so this is what's coming up. So we, we need to be able to understand God is not done with Israel. He has not gotten rid of them. He has not replaced them because he has a bond with them given to Abraham that was unconditional. And many of his promises to them are unconditional. There's lots of conditional promises. He goes, if you keep my word, you'll be blessed, and I'll keep you in your land. They did not keep his word. They were kicked out of their land. He brought them back and said, keep my word, and you'll get kicked out of the land. They did not keep the keep his word, and they got kicked out of the land. This last time they've been put back into the kingdom, we don't know. You know, They're not keeping his word. They're not being obedient. So what is God going to do? Will he kick them out again and put time more time on the road? I doubt it. He's going to be... Probably the millennial kingdom, you know, the tribulation and millennial kingdom that will come because of their disobedience. And all of that disobedience is to help them turn to him. And it's kind of hard sometimes that God uses really hard things in our life to try to get us to turn back to him. Especially if our hearts are hard. Now hopefully our hearts are so soft that when God just speaks a few, few messages to us and, are, and we're reading the Bible, we turn to him. But if we refuse to turn to him, he'll use hard methods to get that to happen. The tribulation period, seven years of trials where 66% of the population dies in Revelation, is God's way to try to get people to come back to him. And most of them will reject his leanings. As he tries to draw them to them, they will reject him. Most of them. And yet, God still is going to try. The long-suffering nature of God is just so amazing you know, that He takes time to say, I want you to come back to me. I want you to come back. And w- whether it's, you know, you look at the book of Judges, and God, they start doing bad things. God sends enemies into them to harass them and kill many of them. And, a judge would, and then they would repent, and a judge would be raised up that they would do good during that judge's lifetime and then they'd start sinning against God again and he'd send the enemy in to harass them and, and, and kill people and they would repent and you know, this has been their cycle. And it's our cycle in our life too. Unfortunately, in many case, cases, we start sinning against God, we get a hard heart. God slaps us around a little bit with trials and tribulations and says, are you ready to repent? And if we repent, the, he pulls back, if not, he intensifies the trials. And if we still don't repent, he intensifies them even more. And there probably is there it says that there is this place where if you're not going to repent and, repent and you don't repent and you don't repent and you don't repent, God takes you home. All right. So how bad does things have to get, I don't know. I don't want to get there. I don't I want to just say, God, I want I want a soft, tender heart. And that should be our prayer. These guys are saying, uh, Paul, you're, going to, you, you're, you're saying God sent you to the, to the Gentiles? This in their mind is blasphemy. Gentiles are worthless. Gentiles are headed for hell unless they become Jews, and, God, and he's saying God sent him to the Gentiles. Now, they were the type of people they would probably have, have executed Jonah because Jonah was sent to the Gentiles. It, you know, would have executed uh, Joseph. He was sent to the Gentiles to preserve his people. You know, so they don't really understand their own Bible even, because their Bible is full of the prophets with messages to the Gentiles. And so they're not really understanding it. They're putting tradition ahead of the Word of God. And this is what we need to be very careful that we do not put tradition ahead of what God says. And it's real easy to put tradition first. Well, this is what the church taught. This is what the pastor taught. This is what I think I believe from other people. And America has been well known for this tradition. Now, we have a tradition that is supposed to be Christian. And and in the early days, it was fairly Christian. Uh, You know, this is a very Christian nation. The First Continental Congress printed Bibles and... For, for everybody in every citizen in America and gave them to them. Now try that in today's uh, Congress. Oh, you'd, be, you'd have a fit. But over years, tradition started coming in and pulled way away from God. And we just started following God by rules and regulations. And they weren't always God's rules and regulations that everybody followed. They were man-made rules and regulations. And so they're in the same place. You know, we got to the same place that these people are with Paul. How dare you say that God sent you to these, the, these heathens? You, know, you, you think you're supposed to go to the heathens to do this? You know, and coming back to America, this is the way it was when people said they were going to go to the Indians. You're going to go try to evangelize those heathens. And the idea was that, those, that they were destined for hell. Because they were just so bad that nobody could, you know, why would you ever go witness to them? This is that kind of statement that Paul is making. And they're going, he's not even fit to live. He's delusional. He doesn't understand God. He, he said he studied under Gamaliel. He, he understands Judaism. He's not fit to live. He is so delusional, he thinks God told him to go to the Gentiles. And verse 23 says, and they cried And as they cried out, they cast off their clothes and flew through dust in the air. This is reminiscent of when Stephen was arrested. Paul stood by at that time. His name was Saul. Was standing by as they threw the cloaks down in front of him. They are preparing at this point in time to drag Saul to the pit to throw rocks at him and stone him. All right. This is how angry they are. Now they have let the Romans take him. This is a very dangerous moment for Paul and for Rome. These guys are so angry, with a Roman guard all around Paul, on the steps to the the, uh, basilica, and the people are ready to charge after him and and grab him again. We're at the point of a riot. Between the people, and the Roman guard is outnumbered, as in every riot that you ever see, the the police force is outnumbered. It's only their weapons and their and their training that can maybe keep peace. So we have a very tense moment starting here, or restarting, <laughs> all right, uh, and. The chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know whereof they cried so against him. And now, note again, this has happened in Hebrew. He doesn't know what's, he does not know what's being said. All he knows is there is a riot forming, and the person talking had been Paul. So as far as he's concerned, Paul has done something to cause a riot. He doesn't have an idea what is the problem, and his answer is we're going to find out by scourging. All right, Uh, a scourging means that they tie him to a tie him to a wooden horse or some kind of post, and take a flagellum with seven to eleven thongs on it that are weighted with bone, glass, stones, whatever to weight them and beat them until they confess. Very violent way of getting a confession, and most people confessed to something. You now, whether they did it or not did not matter because they were, you know, after, after you know, several strokes, you know, they're, they're laying in seven to 11 stripes every time they do this. And these stripes, these leather thongs were thin and cut the skin and, and cut into the, to the muscle. The Romans, the Romans who in, instigated this loved it. They had fun. There would be two or three of them, and they would actually place bets on who could get the largest chunk of meat out of the person as they would, as they would uh, flail on them. And they, they were sadistic and enjoyed it. And so this was what Paul was getting ready to face. And their idea was if we beat them long enough, they'll, they'll give us the information we want. And uh, what well, usually end up, they confess to anything, just stop getting beat. <laughs> All right. Um, so this was his idea. We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, you know, beat him until he confesses to something. We're going to find out what's going on. We're going to find out what he said. Now note, he has not even asked Paul what he said. <laughs> he has not asked the people what has been said. He's got a riot going on, and he wants to say, I'm going to beat it out of him. <laughs> Before you know and find out what he said because Paul would have told him what what was said probably even told him why you know What he said and why they responded that way if he'd have just asked? You know, so he gets ready and they said they bound him with thongs and Paul just turned to the centurion and asked a simple question Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned Now the we need to understand this statement. In Rome, you could do anything you wanted to a, to a slave at all. There were no rights at all for the slaves technically. You could beat them, you could kill them, you could you know, starve them to death, there was no, nothing. For all the people that were part of the Roman Empire that weren't Roman citizens, they were conquered people, you could pretty much do what you want. You weren't supposed to kill them because they were taxpayers. Okay? But you could do just about anything you wanted to up to, if you could justify it, a capital, of, capital offense. Right? This is why Pilate had gotten in trouble. When Jesus was crucified, Pilate had been in trouble because he had lopped a lot of heads off in, in Jerusalem to create, create peace. On several riots, he, he, the only way he could get peace was to come in and kill a bunch of people. And the, the Caesars finally came back to him and said, "You're killing way too many of our citizens you know, our, our citizenship here who's supposed to pay tribute. If you have one more time that you have a riot that you take people's lives for, you will no longer be governor of Jerusalem. You will be sent out to the uh, fight the barbarians." Which was not what he wanted to do, you know, leave leave Jerusalem, which was basically a civilized, you know, wasn't as civilized as Rome, but he had, a, he had a house and a nice bed and servants and, and pretty, pretty uh, plush life. And he said, one more time and you're being sent out to go to fight. You're going to go back to living in a tent, leading the battles. And we find out just about 10 years later, he went out to, he was kicked out of Jerusalem and sent to the battlefront because he did have another riot to, that he had to. So this man is trying to prevent a riot. Uh, now, again, you can, do anything to, you can do anything at all to a slave. You can do anything to conquered people. And there were two levels of Roman citizenship. All right? To a Roman citizen, you could not do anything unless they had gone to court and been condemned by a judge. The first level of Roman citizenship from the bottom was those who bought their citizenship. They had done something, it had been given to them, they had bought it, they they had gotten rich enough to buy their freedom. The other ones are those that are born, all right? You have a little more leeway with those who bought theirs, okay, because they're just slightly above above them, okay? So I'm giving you the Roman, Roman hierarchy here. Those who were born Roman citizens, you really had to prove a case against them to be able to beat them or execute them. And for Roman citizens you could not even execute them by crucifixion. Because it was such a horrible way of death that it was not to be used by citizens. Now You could cut their heads off, you could do all kinds of other things, which is why when Paul does die they cut his head off. Because that was about the only way that he could be executed as a Roman, B- Roman-born citizen, so this is this is Paul's question to this this centurion. All right, he says, uh, "Is it lawful for you to beat a Roman citizen?" Can you imagine what this centurion is thinking at this moment? He's probably saying, "I'm glad I haven't had a whip put down on him yet, because his life would have been forfeit for beating a citizen." For beating a Roman citizen, he would have been executed. All right, and all the and the other men who who did it would have been executed, and probably the one that gave the order above him. This is a serious moment that is coming up. This guy's tied him tied him to the post. Has is getting ready to give the command, and all of a sudden, Rome Paul says something that scares him to death. Because this is a dangerous moment for him. All right? All right. Verse 26. When the centurion heard that, (laughs) he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what you do, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. And Paul said, I was free born. All right. Centurion runs immediately to his commander. uh, Says, uh, hey, commander, we might have a problem here. Uh, This man says that he's a Roman citizen. (laughs) And you want to be careful what you're going to do. Panic in the castle of Bastille. All right, the barracks, however you want, depending on what translation you look at. It could be any of those numbers, any of that place. Panic. We have a Roman citizen here that we were getting ready to beat, that who has not gone to court and been condemned. Serious moment in their time. Because if he is truly a Roman citizen, and he makes a complaint against them, then they get at least what what they did to him. At the very least. And so here we're going to be in this thing, and the chief comes down and says, are you really a citizen? And Paul says, yes. Now, I don't know how Paul would be, is going to prove his citizenship in, the, in that day. All right, uh, Maybe there was some secret code. Or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe he had papers that he carried around with him just in case. Maybe they would send a letter, you know, send a writer up to Tarsus and say, you know, tell us about this Saul of Tarsus, you know, uh, give us his pedigree, you know, and, and be, be waiting. Uh, and so the, the chief captain goes, you know, uh, I, I'm a Roman citizen too. I paid for my Roman citizenship. And he goes, with a great sum. So this means that as a Roman soldier, he had been gathering up all of his, all of his booty and all of his extra treasures that that he got from battle and finally got enough money and bought his citizenship many times this would be given to some of these uh, slaves if a slave got loved enough by his master showed enough service sometimes the master would say okay I'm giving you your freedom because you've done so much for me and everything that would be the same thing I bought my, in this case, I bought my, <laughs> I bought my Roman citizenship by my service to, to this leader. So he's going, you know, he's going to Paul, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're, kind, of this, we're kind of a kin, kindred here. I bought mine. And Paul says, I'm a born Roman citizen. I'm born free. He was born as a Roman citizen. All right. We had panic here but Paul said that he is a Roman citizen. Now we have great panic. All right. He outranks anybody in there as far as citizenship. All these other guys have bought theirs if they're even if they're even citizens. Much of the Roman legion were not citizens of Rome. They were tributaries that they had. It was almost if I recall correctly it was a 3 to 1 ratio of other countries that they had conquered when they conquered countries they would take their their people and and make another legion and then put Roman leaders in front in charge of them uh, and this man is saying hey you know, I'm I'm really special I I bought mine and he goes I'm I'm born Roman we have a pretty big problem here they can be in trouble for just having bound him to the post and it appears that they did not give him stripes at this point in time. And they're looking at this, what is going to be the consequence? What is going to happen here? What is Paul going to say? You know, he can do a lot of things here. He can, he can appeal a case. He can, he can bring charges against them uh, for even binding him. Now, they've rescued him, so I think he's happy that he got rescued. But he could be bringing charges against them for violating his rights. So the man probably said he didn't look into the, whether he was a woman or not. Right. And then, well, they, 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 would, they assumed here's a troublemaker in Jerusalem. He's a Jew. We are going to be able to take care of him. They didn't, they didn't look into what, what else was going on. And they're now in a place where anything can happen because, you know, at this point, if he is who he says he is, their freedom has been been jeopardized. He could, he could have them put into prison. He could have them executed. You know, they are daring to go after a Roman citizen. And we don't understand that. You know, we don't really fully understand this type of thing because we have... Supposedly equal justice everybody is equal and you don't have to be a citizen to have justice Everybody falls under the justice system, and they had a tiered justice system All right, if you were important enough You could almost get away with murder. You know not quite they still had laws, but you know The Roman citizen could do a lot of stuff before he's going to be You know called into into account especially if a born Roman citizen and the ones that bought it, they're, they're citizens, so they can get away with a lot. You know, down below, you can do almost anything you wanted to them. Now, they had some rules, and you, know, you, you were supposed to be able to pay attention, but there is this panic. All through the castle, all through the Bastille, there's panic right now. And I'm trying to lay out the history, because when we read this, is you know, okay, so what's the big deal? You know, what's, what's going on here? It has to do with their manners and their customs at this point. Now even for Paul when he's being uh, arrested or picked up by the Jews, they were in violation of their laws because they had to go to the before the elders and prove their case before they could execute somebody. And execution in the Jewish law you had the court case the day before and before the sentencing, you had to wait a night so that people could, so that the heat of the moment could wear down before they executed him. This is one of the reasons Jesus's court cases before the, before the Sanhedrin were against Jewish law. He was arrested at night, tried at night, and convicted in the same night before the sun even came up. So they had violated every Jewish rule. And when you look at the testimony, even by the law, you could not execute somebody unless two people said the same exact testimony, with well, the same details of the story, and confirmed the, the charges. Jesus, they couldn't even get that part right with him. So they have all these you know, bad things in Jesus' day. Paul is being, being drug off to be executed for blasphemy without a court case. Without the court case in the Jewish system, the Romans get hold of him, and they're going to beat a confession out of him without any kind of court case. You know, he has not gone to any kind. At two different jurisdictions, he has not gone to a court case. In two nations that would say we're we are nations of law, the Jews consider themselves nation of law. We have lots of rules, very strict rules. They violated them whenever whenever they pleased. You know, if you had gotten enough top level people angry, Rome was a nation of laws. And here they here the captain is ready to violate the you know, violate the laws because even there you're supposed to do a little bit. You know, tell us about who you are, where you're from, give us a little bit of information about you so that they don't beat a Roman citizen. If you claim citizenship, they would look into it and you know, and nobody would claim, you know, we, we, we take this, they would not take this lightly. Nobody would claim to be a Roman citizen who couldn't prove it. Because if you claimed Roman citizenship to get out of it, now you've, now you've lied and committed perjury, and now you have a bigger problem as well. You're going to be executed for claiming Roman citizenship. So this is a big deal. They, they know it's serious. Nobody claims this without really being able to prove it. So this is what's going to scare them you know yeah they, they could be sending out, they could be sending a writer up to Tarsus to verify this but they also know this is not something that people treat treat lightly you know there's going to be some merit to this otherwise he would not be saying it so they're now scared so scared that <laughs> verse 29 Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. And the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman, that he was Roman and because he had bound him on the morrow, because he would have known for certainty. Therefore he was accused of, whereof he was accused of the Jews. He loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priest and all the council to appear before Paul and brought Paul down and set him before them. All right. So he immediately releases Paul. All right. Uh, hoping that everything is going to be okay. And you note that it says, he was afraid. This word there is a very strong, strong word for fear, afraid. It's not just fear. He's afraid for his life. This is a major blunder that he has almost committed. And he still does not know what's going on. But he immediately releases Paul. Probably locks him up in a room, not necessarily a jail cell. But probably puts him into a room and says, OK, here, we're going to treat you with some respect. But he's probably locked up. You know, they don't want him disappearing. They, he, as far as they know, he caused a riot. So they're not, they're not wanting him. He still has some charges that he could be put up on. Right? but he now has to appear before a judge. But also, if they let him loose, the Jews would have him. Well, this is true, too. We, we've got to riot. riot outside if he, if he gets out. Yeah. But, uh, so Paul's not in a hurry to get outside the gate of that, that uh, wall, either. other than the fact that he's kind of crazy about the gospel you know, he doesn't, you know, does a lot of things. Probably. Uh, you know, he could he could claim I didn't know that that was going to happen, but yeah, right. uh, but they release him from the binding. Yeah. They are not going to scourge him anymore. They're actually going to start seeking questions the way they're supposed to. All right. Um, so it says on the morrow, the next day, because he would know for certain whether he was accused of by the Jews, he loosed him from the vans and commanded the the chief priest and their council to appear and brought Paul down to them. So now he's saying to the Jewish people, all right, get your elders up here. Get the the people that that, uh, know what it is that he has done, and we're going to have a trial. All right, so he's now starting to get things done correctly. He was going to be chief judge and uh, jury, uh, judge, jury and executor at the same moment. And now he's going, uh, we've got to follow some different rules here. We have a Roman citizen. We need a judge. We need to have our jury. And then we can, conv- then he can be convicted if there is something of Roman law that he has violated. Now, he's in the hands of the Romans. He is not going to be executed for blasphemy of the Jewish religion. He's a Roman citizen. No matter what, he's not going to be turned over them under that charge. Because remember when Jesus was taken before Pilate? What was, their, what was the uh, chief priest's uh, crime against him? Blasphemy. He claimed to be God. Now, the Romans would not have cared if they had brought him to the, the, the Romans and said, he claims to be God. They'd have laughed at him and said, so does Caesar. So does a whole lot of other people. We don't care, you know, what's the big deal if he claims to be God? So what did they say? He claims to be a king and trying to take people away from Caesar. Okay, now we have traitor and and, uh, rebel and all these other titles that they can charge to him. So now they've got a Roman law they can try to charge him with. So this is what's going to happen here. Right now they want to kill him because he supposedly brought a Gentile into the temple. They're going to have to prove that, which they can't because he didn't do it. And so now there's going to be this whole court case coming up saying, all right, we're, you guys get your, get your ac- accusations in here. We're going to have a court case. We're going to bring him down. He's going to defend himself. You give me, you give me the crimes that he committed, and then we will discuss what happened and come up with a a law and again remember this has to be a Roman law that they accuse him of He's not going to he could break all the Jewish laws that he wanted to He's a Roman citizen. They're not going to execute him unless they were where they crossed over and then Jewish and, and Roman law intersected like murder and theft of those natures But just claiming you know any Jewish religious law they're not going to care it is not something they're going to execute a Roman citizen for because they're going to look at him and say we don't care about your 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 religious laws you know what did he do that's worthy of killing a Roman citizen over so this is a new place a new new Rome new new event going on Paul is now protected by Rome He's protected by his Roman citizenship, but he's also protected by this garrison. And they're going to make sure that he is not going to be executed for no reason. Any other questions? Later on, because Caesar, Caesar denied his request and, and executed him for being a Christian? Nero didn't like Christians, so he Nero went ahead and signed his execution order. At that point, he was still a Roman. Yeah, but Caesar is the head Roman; he could do whatever he wanted. He could override his he could override the rights of a citizen because he's he is absolute pontitate, <laughs> potentate. So he could he could he could say you're dead, and he had, he had declared Christianity against the law. So any any Roman citizen that he decided to kill for being a Christian was so again. They could be killed for violating Roman law, uh, but not just for general whim. Now Nero, you know, technically was still under the law, but he was a king and did what he wanted. Uh, and Nero was a very insane person. Literally, literally, he was insane. He was insane. He wanted to rebuild Rome, which is why he tried to burn it down. He wanted to rebuild it in his image and put temples to him, his name and everything. Uh, so he said, well, I want it. And where he wanted it was where other things were. So he decided to try to burn it down. And then when he found out that people were angry at him, he blamed it on the Christians and then executed lots and lots of Christians in the, King, in, in the Roman Empire. Uh, and Paul was one of those that gets executed during that period of time. So. That is what happened. That's why Paul in the long run gets, gets executed because he's going to, as we get further in, he's going to appeal to Caesar because his whole goal has always been to, to give the gospel message to Caesar. And we'll find out in the next chapters when he appeals to Caesar, they go on, you were foolish to appeal to Caesar because we were ready to release you. We found no charges against you. But now that you've appealed to Caesar, we have to send you to Caesar. Uh, so they were all set to release him. He could have been back out as a missionary, causing, causing trouble with the Jews. <laughs> um, but because of his appeal, they said, OK, you've made your appeal to Caesar. Now we, our hands are tied. We were all set to release you. And now you're going to now you have to go to Rome. And the rest of this book is gonna be that, that appeal and his trip to Rome. So this is all of what's going to happen to Paul. And Paul gets a lot of good treatment as being a Roman citizen. Because there's certain rules and regulations that applied to him as a prisoner. He couldn't be thrown into the deepest you know, dungeon you know, because not without a court case and, and a crime. So he's gonna be given, even when he gets to Rome, we know that he was given a house to live in. He was placed under house arrest because he was a Roman citizen. Now he couldn't leave the house, but anybody could come to his house and visit him. He had s- servants that went in and out for him. And, you know, he did all kinds of things. He was stuck in the house, but nobody else was. You know, So he was able to minister. And then even when he was arrested, it, it tells us that he was chained to two guards in, of Caesar's Royal guard and I felt sorry for those Roman guards because they got to listen to Paul preach for four hours at a, at a time while they were on duty uh, and it says many of them got saved. <laughs> you know how would you like to be stuck you know you're you don't believe in the God that he's talking about and you got to listen to him for four hours because you're chained to him <laughs> for four hours and Paul goes, it's wonderful I get to preach to a captive audience. <laughs> They can't leave. <laughs> you know, Paul had a different attitude about things than most of us do. And this is where the beauty of it is, how do we look at the trials that we go through? Do we look at them as something that is to be a burden and griped about and complained about? Or do we say, God, what is it that you're trying to help me learn? What, what opportunity have you given me to, to work on this? And this is the beauty of the things that happen to us are opportunities if we look for the opportunity. Paul looked at the opportunity and said, "Hey, I'm in prison. There's guards out there They just have to listen to me. You now, uh, I'm going to keep calling in. We're going to have Bible studies, and we 're going to talk loud enough for the guard outside the gate for four hours to hear." You know, he, he looked at it and said, "This is my opportunity. I'm stuck in this house, but I'm still going to minister." All through, you know, when we read his travel to Rome, you're gonna look at it and say, Who was the prisoner? You know, he's telling them you shouldn't make this trip, and they're looking at it, well, you just don't want to get there. And he goes, Yes, I want to get there, but don't make this trip because God says that there's going to be a storm. God says we're gonna lose lose the ship. You know, all of these things that, that went on, and you go, What was going on? You know, Paul got a lot of respect from the people because of his position his position was so was so high on the on the, the the order that the roman he technically outranks most of the roman soldiers that are that have had him arrested and had him chained up cuz they weren't many of them weren't roman citizens at all and if they were they bought it and very few of them had were born citizens so on one side paul outranks them they have to treat him with great respect all over the place because of his position even though he's charged as a criminal even though he's charged as a criminal we have this whole thing going on that he's a roman citizen born a roman citizen so they couldn't just okay you're you're done paul (laughs) they had to have a level of honor to him this is something that in our world, we don't fully understand, but when God talks about authority and honor and respect of authority, there's a lot that goes into this. You know, God does not say, honor your mother and father if they deserve it. He says, honor your mother and father. He says, honor those in authority, not if they deserve it. He says, honor those that are in authority. It is a grievous thing to not give honor to authority. And I've said this over and over again. The disciples said we ought to obey God rather than man. But at the same time, they also took the punishment for disobeying man. man. They didn't go to man and say, well, we're obeying God so you can't punish us. They didn't even tell God, God, it's not fair that they're punishing us when we We're obeying you. They knew that God had ordained that authority and that authority was going the wrong way and they had to obey God, but they also knew they were going to take the punishment for disobeying those rules. When we saw the movie about Corey Ten Boom and her family, they understood, we've disobeyed man, there's consequences for disobeying man. We did what was right in God's eyes, but there's still the consequence for disobeying the government. We need to prepare our hearts as we are entering into a potential time of disobedience against the government for the government's direction that they're going into to understand that the government still has the right to discipline us for, their, for our disobedience. They will have to answer to God. and The government's answer to God. But we will be subject to the governmental authority and see where God takes it. Now many times he rescues his people many times he does not rescue his people. If you don't believe that he, read, you know, about that he doesn't, read Fox's Book of Martyrs and there's hundreds and hundreds of stories listed there where people were not rescued from what happened. Paul is not going to be rescued. Peter, every one of the disciples except John died a martyr's death. God allowed them to die for him so that others would come to him. Many times we will go through hard times just to prove God is who God says he is. And this is the beauty of all of this. Paul is going to be with the people and he says, and Paul's probably ready. Okay, I'm ready for court tomorrow. I I get another chance to share the gospel message with them he's gonna do that. To this group, to every group that he goes to, he's looking forward to sharing the gospel. Every one of his defenses that he makes from the rest of this book on is to share the gospel message. Over and over again, he shares the gospel message in his defense. We need to prepare our hearts. Our defense is the gospel. If we're, if we're truly disobeying for the right reasons, our defense is the gospel of Christ. And the one thing, even in our justice system, you know, if you start giving the gospel during your testimony, there's nobody that can stop you. you. know, If you're accused, you can say whatever you want. And they can't stop you. They may not like what they're hearing, and Paul is going to take advantage of that. They're under the same laws. He can say what he wants during his defense, and they can't stop him. He can talk as long as he wants, and they can't stop him. As long as it has anything at all to do with his offense, they're stuck listening to him. And what are they accusing them of? Causing a disruption by speaking the gospel. So he gets to defend by giving the gospel. Over and over and over again. He gives the gospel message to people to, who can't not listen because of the way their laws are set up. And so this is going to be his his case. And the and the chief captain is saying, uh, we're going to have a case tomorrow. We're going to, it is going to be organized. We're not having the mob come in. We're having the chief priest come in. We're having uh, their counsel come in. And you're going to have a case made. And there's going to be a real court case going on. And he is planning to be the original, the first judge. Now, the next judge will be the kings and the, and the governors. You know, he, he can keep going up until he gets to Caesar. and That's exactly what Paul's going to do. He's going to appeal his case to the next level and to the next level until he gets to Caesar. So this is his, this is his goal. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Lord, help us to honestly seek you in all that we do and to be bold. To be bold enough to seek after you and to follow you and to share you with others and help us to be people that are great testimonies for you and we thank you in Jesus name Amen listening friends do you know God not just know about him today is the day to decide to become his child God loves you and Jesus came to die for your sins in Romans 3:23, we are told for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God we all have sinned God says The penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this?